morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is. Welcome once again to Gaming Street Irregulars. I'm James Iris, joined as always by Chrissy Harding. Hi everyone! Unfortunately, despite our best efforts, we couldn't get anyone else in the digital recording booth this time, so it's just the two of us as we discuss the 2022 nominations for the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Class of 2022. We would like to say, though, that our usual uh, troop of irregulars couldn't make it today, not because they didn't want to come and discuss who they think would make it into the Video Game Hall of Fame. They all had to work, so real life sucks. Or they had other commitments like family. Which, I can't say that sucks, so that's awesome. No. So, here we are. Which is perfectly fine for us. Well, yeah, yeah. So, interestingly enough, the Video Game Hall, the International Video Game Hall of Fame, or the World Video Game Hall of Fame, opened in June 4th of 2015, and it's actually located in the National Museum of Play's eGame Revolution exhibit, which is literally the whole second floor of the museum. And if you wonder, the National Museum of Play is in our own Rochester, New York. It's part of the Strong. And it is overseen by the Strong, as well as the International Center for the History of Electronic Games. Uh, it was actually created by John Paul. John Paul! Uh, C. Dyson. John Paul School. He was also the Strong's Vice President for Exhibit Research and Development, and is also the current director of the International Center for the History of Electronic Games. There actually is planned a museum in Iowa, of all places, for the International Video Game Hall of Fame. It's a planned museum. As far as I know, it has not happened yet. Considering, so apparently, Utamawa, Iowa is considered the video game capital of the world because it was home to the Twin Galaxies Arcade, which became the epicenter for competitions in the arcade games. So they are currently trying to build their own Hall of Fame out there. Well, that makes sense then. It does. Like, it's not like it was just, that was the thing. Like, when I first saw it, I'm like, why Iowa? Like, Seattle, where majority of the game companies are. But it makes sense with Twin Galaxy being one of the biggest people in the competitions in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. That does make some sense. So, James, I bet you're wondering, what what are the criteria for someone to make the list to become an well, inductor? Actually, yes, I am. I've got some idea, but why don't you uh, give us the full rundown? So, in order for a game uh, to be cons- to to make it to the f- the final run, the video game has to meet four criteria. It has to have an icon status, which means it's widely recognized and remembered. It has to have longevity. It's got to be more than just a passing fad, and has to kind of have enjoyed popularity over time. It has to have a geographical reach, which means it meets the above criteria, not just in one country, but across international boundaries. So it has to be kind of an international craze. An influence, which means it has significant influence on the design and development of other games or other forms of entertainment or on pop culture or society in general. And the best way one I can use for that is Mario. Iconic status. Everyone knows who Mario is. Been around for, what, over 30 years now? Yeah. He just had his 30th year, what, last year? Actually, his 40th, when you you count uh, Donkey Kong. 40 years. Still going strong. They're still making games. I don't think there is a single country that has not heard of Mario. I don't think so. If there is one, well, if you're listening, now you've heard of Mario. And Mario has not only been in video games, but he's also been in cartoon shows, comic books, movies. He's shown up in other games. He's crossed over, you know, and even within Mario, it's the games, Mario's games itself, you know, we have gotten other iconic characters have popped out of them. So, you know, my favorite is the Bobombs. Right. <laughs> The bob bombs. <laughs> so that's a that's a very good example of a game of a game, Super Mario Brothers. So that would qualify. That would qualify, and actually was inducted in the 2015 class, along with Tetris, Pong, Pac-Man, Doom, and World of Warcraft. Real quick, we'll just go over what else has already made it in. Class 2016 was Legend of Zelda, The Oregon Trail, currently one of the oldest games in the hall. 
The Sims, Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Invaders, and Grand Theft Auto 3. Following year, 2017, we saw Pokemon Red and Green, or Blue, depending on your region, Street mm-hmm. Fighter 2, The World Warrior, the aforementioned Donkey Kong, and mm-hmm. Halo Combat Evolved. Class 2018 featured John Madden Football, Tomb Raider, Final Fantasy VII, and the oldest game in the hall, Space War. 2019 was Microsoft Solitaire, Mortal Kombat, Colossal Cave Adventure, and Super Mario Kart, the original on the Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. Class of 2020 was Minecraft, King's Quest, Centipede, and Bejeweled. And last year's class was Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, Animal Crossing, Microsoft Flight Simulator, and Starcraft. So yeah, so as you can see, it took Minecraft a while to get in there, because uh, Minecraft, believe it or not, had been nominated since every year since I believe 2015. So it took five years for Minecraft to finally make its way in. <laughs> it was the Susan Lucci of the Hall of Fame. Pretty much, I think the only year it did not get nominated was 2019. It got beat out by Mist, or Mist made it, but it didn't. So as you can tell, I mean. To read the list of games that made it, like, made it as, like... Uh, Mist still hasn't made it. No, Mist still hasn't made it, but of games that have actually been nominated, I mean, it's not like it's, it's like, Flash in the Pain Oh, it missed out two Mist for nomination, I see. Yeah. Yeah, it missed out two Mist. Like, Mist 2019 got nominated instead of Minecraft. But that's the, that was kind of, that's kind of the cool thing with this, is, like, if you actually go through, and I do encourage reader our listeners to actually go through and read the list these nominations that are in here are actually from the general public so this isn't like a bunch of scholars and journalists and people got together and was like oh the world video game hall of fame actually opens up and i think it starts in february and it goes for to probably the middle to the end of march where you can actually nominate your games so they'll actually open it up and say, nominate your games. And then from that list, then they actually have a committee. Um, and it's an international committee. So it's not just, a, but like I said, not just those people working at the museum. They actually send these out to all over the world. And then they tally up what people, what um, out of the list, the top, like, I think 15, 12, something like that. Top 15 or 12 games and then those are the ones that then they take the list down further well this year it's 12 yeah i think it's 12 i think we normally i think usually the museum likes to stick with 12 it's a nice round number and we will get into what this year's nominees are right after this break this year's nominees who will be the bell of the ball and who will be the one that surprises them all exactly first off holding over from the from 2016 all the way back to the second year of nominations mm-hmm. is sid meyer's civilization a holdover from the following year resident evil the original from 1996 Two holdovers from 2018 that re- make their return for nomination, Dance Dance Revolution and Ms. Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. A 2019 nomination, Candy Crush, returns to the ballot, as does a 2020 nomination, NBA Jam. And we have six new finalists this year. Assassin's Creed from Ubisoft, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time from Nintendo, Minesweeper from Microsoft, Parappa the Rapper from Sony, Rogue or a.k.a. Rogue, exploring the Dungeon of Doom from Epics, and mm-hmm. Words with Friends from New Toy, currently owned by Zynga. 
honestly, to me, I think we're there's they Zynga could have also created a word with my friend came up with a great idea for a spinoff of Word with Friends, Word with Enemies, where the blank tiles, instead of being any lever, they were bombs. So you could actually blow up words off of the thing and put your word in place. Hmm. I thought that was a great idea. I told him he should have told Zynga about that one. So let's look at these games one at a time. We're not going to get into the history too much this time. I mean, we kind of already did with Resident Evil. And we talked about Candy Crush in our casual games episode. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these games are going to get their own episodes down the line. I mean, we've been talking about Ocarina of Time getting an episode for months now. Yeah, just try. it's just trying to get like literally... Just so you guys know, when we say we're going to do a Zelda episode of Ocarina of the Time and Majora's Mask, like majority of the irregulars, like we want to be here for that one. But I will. This is a secret that James may not want people to know, or the rest of the crew may want you guys to know. But trying to get irregulars in one room together is like herding cats. Oh, you ain't just whistling something that's not Dixie. Yeah, it's hurting cats. It, it's like D&D trying to get your party to do the right thing instead of what everyone else wants to do. It's hurting cats. Yeah. So it will happen. We just don't know when. Exactly. So which one do you want to start off with? Let's start off from the bottom of the list. And the one that I feel like has the least leg to stand on for this year's class. Candy Crush? Words no. with Friends. You know what? Words of Friends to me is 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 an electronic version of Scrabble. Basically, it's the same board layout. It's the same rule set. It, they even wanna... managed to convince Hasbro to publish a board game version of it when Hasbro holds the copyright for Scrabble in the U.S. and Canada. But you know what I want to say? It's um, I think they I think they did it because I think they it was kind of the we won't sue you if you let us do this. Kind of thing. Possibly. Because you're right. It is the exact same layout and everything else. I really honestly want to think, like, the only reason why, like, Hasbro hasn't sued them is they're like, listen, we'll do a board game version of it, but we're doing the board game version of it. I think if another, like, if Parker Brothers or something had done it or another board game developer had done it, I think they would have gotten sued to high heaven. If Parker Brothers hadn't already been purchased true. by like Hasbro. If, by Hasbro, true. Man, Hasbro like owns everything now. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was... This one here, like, I agree with you. This is the one least likely to make it in. Like, yes, it's been around for a bit. And it it's still kind of going, like, even as of May 2017, like, Words of Friends was one of the more popular mobile games. But on the same token... It's it was to me it was just another version of Scrabble, like there was nothing to differentiate it from playing online Scrabble other than, oh my god, like they added power ups I guess to it, but possibly I think its biggest claim is the pervasiveness of it for for an extended time. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing that I think it has for it, like. I mean, in 2016, like, they they added power-ups to it, like, hindsight, the hindsight power-up, which is after you play a word, you can actually hit this button. It shows you what the highest, where you could have played that word at for the most points. They had, like, a word strength swap plus, which could you could swap your letters out, word radar or word clue to give you an idea. Like, it just became, it's just another version of Scrabble. Like, I can't think of anything else to say um it's just scrabble just on your phone yeah that's it, it, it and, not, that, and you that's not it, have, that's it that's it that's all this that's all this game has for it so i think it's at the bottom of the list of games most likely to make it in just because to me it's 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 like that and candy crush like those are the two that i think are at the bottom of the barrel i i think candy crush might actually have a a stronger leg to stand on. Let's transition to talking about that one. Okay. I like Even to hear though it, it derives a lot from existing Hall of Fame uh, member Bejeweled. I liked Bejeweled better. <laughs> I, well, admittedly, I did too, because it's not loaded with a bunch of microtransactions. 
I think the the biggest reason why Candy Crush really became as big as it did, as as it did, and and this is a credit to King King Games that owns it. King Games like marketed the hell out of it, and and to make it even more like epic, they added the word saga to it. Mm-hmm. The only problem, really, that they had was. The King got a little bit too ahead of itself, where King decided that it was going to copyright the word candy in January of 2013 with the U.S. State Patent and Trademark Office. So they wanted to copyright the word candy so no one else could use it in their games. you got to be kidding me. Yep, they want, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to copyright the word candy. They also wanted to copyright the word saga. So that's what they did. So like they were trying to copyright Candy and Saga to stop other developers from using those words in their games. And they actually and they got outed for this in January of 2014 when a game called The Banner Saga came out by Stoic and King tried to stop them because they claimed that they own the word saga which they didn't it was actually pending at the time and that was the thing like they were like we own this and it's like no no you don't you don't you're still pending king dropped the trademark claim for candy i don't think they dropped the one for saga so i don't know if they actually got it or not because it doesn't say much after that i mean but i honestly king king were the kings of mark pun intended actually were the kings of marketing this game. The graphics were cute. That's one of the reasons why I initially got sucked into it. But as you go further in the game, it's much harder and it just stops being fun. Still, I think Candy Crush has had some influence in terms of the sheer number of match three games. I, I, I mean, They were already starting to proliferate on mobile platforms before it, but after it, they just... Wow, watch out. Yeah. They're all they ex- over the place. Yeah, they and even within can even if, within King's own development, they came up with other match threes like Farm Pet Saga, Pet Rescue, like and even Candy Crush had like the Soda Saga, the Jelly Saga, the Friends Saga. Swear to God, they need to drop the word saga because it's if you wanna if you actually wanna see a game, like if you see saga at the end of the game, ten Five times, about nine times out of ten, it's a king game. Like Bubble Witch Saga. Why do you need to call it Bubble Witch Saga? It's a shooter game. Just let it go. So, And just one other thing about how pervasive this game got. I don't remember seeing any other ads for any sort of video game other than Candy Crush on headline news. Yes! Any any of the King games, they did the Candy Crush. I think they did Bubble Witch. They did uh, Pet Rescue. I think they did Farm Pet Heroes Saga. Like This game also became a TV show. It was an hour-long competition game um, with two people teams using interactive games that were based on Candy Crush. Mario Lopez actually hosted the show. which well, He'll host almost anything. I was about to say, which which tells you how low the bar has come for Mario Mario Lopez. Oh, AC Slater, you've fallen so far. <laughs> but yeah, this like to me, I think the other games on the list have a stronger have a stronger hold on it. But saying that, if if it does make it in, I would not be surprised. Now, here's where I'm going to get a little controversial. Uh oh. I think Dance Dance Revolution should have a chance. Mm-hmm. But I think the presence of Parappa the Rapper is going to divert some votes away from it. Honestly, I can go either way with Parappa the Rapper and Dance Dance Revolution. I will tell you that and strong in the years that I worked at the museum and we do the weekends, there was always a line for the Dance Dance Revolution game. Always a line. And yeah, remember, this was a two-player game, too. This wasn't a one-player. It was a two-player game. And there was always a line in the field to play to play this game. Naturally. Parappa the Rapper, most kids didn't really know what 
that was as much as Dance Dance Revolution. Maybe um, not. But in terms of influence in the field of rhythm games, Parappa mm-hmm. the Rappa beat Dance Dance Revolution by two years. Oh, yeah, it totally did. And, and, and it really kind of inspired it as well. But when it really, co- like, it's hard because it's like you wouldn't have Dance Dance Revolution or any of the dance games if you didn't have Parappa the Rapper. You really, or for that really matter, have- Simon. Or Simon. Well, Simon actually is a better one. But, you know, it was, but that that's the thing. It's like, uh, it, it was big at the time. I haven't seen it come back as much as Dance Dance Revolution right. has. Like, I know, like, for a while, that Parappa was on everything or showed up in everything. So, so it's like, going to come down to influence versus pervasiveness. With the influence being on Parappa the Rapper's side and the pervasiveness being on DDR's side. Yeah, I mean, everyone. The only the only thing where I would say DDR has a step ahead of Parappa is DVR actually made you move. You actually had to dance. Where Parappa the Rapper, not so much. It was mostly hitting buttons. So I think that's also where where Dance Dance Revolution is going to edge it out. Because if you think about it, if it didn't become as big as it did, would we really have had the Wii? Fair enough. Because Dance Dance Revolution, even though it took a few years for the Wii to come out after that, showed that there was a, a market for a game that made you move. And that was kind of the cool thing, because what also came out of this was, with DDR, was Guitar Hero. Yeah. Rock Band. It's hard. Like, they're, they're going to be, this is going to be so tied. Like, it, it, it's going to be hard, because Dance Dance Revolution, to me, I feel edges out, you know, Parappa, but in the same tone, like, it's hard. This is a hard one to call. Like, it's too close to call. Yeah, like I said, one is going to siphon votes off from the other. There's an R's also a good chance that neither one is going to make it in. I just know exactly. from, from working in the museum and literally having the two games there, there was always a line for DDR. And sometimes you'd have people like, what's this game? Like, but that's also a very small microcosm. It's, it's so hard because dance, I, I enjoyed, we used to play on the DDR machine when the museum before the museum opened and before the, and after the museum closed, like that was kind of the thing that we got to do as hosts was be able to play with that. Ah, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, it, that one could go either way. Now the one I think that's definitely going to make it and I will be massively upset if it doesn't is Mrs. Pac-Man. Okay. Yeah. Ms. Pac-Man, the, We've gone over this story a few times in other episodes, so we still have yet to do a dedicated Pac-Man episode. But uh, but it was born of a need from Midway to come up with a sequel when Namco wasn't doing it quick enough. Then General Computer Corp came to them with a a Pac-Man hack they called Crazy Auto. With a little feedback from Namco, but uh, not a lot of approval from Namco, (laughs) they quickly uh, whipped up Ms. Pac-Man, and it became the stronger game as opposed to it it exceeded the original yeah it this is a game that was better than pac-man it was more popular than pac-man it also created it also if you ever watched pembroke w corgi's crazy pac-man art or mrs pac-man art it also probably had some of the weirdest gaming art ever like it was just so weird to look at the cabinets now and just be like, wow, you thought that was a good idea to put out it. How did this not give me nightmares? Like how? Yeah, this one is definitely a shoe in It's also probably one of the first games that actually had a female protagonist that wasn't being rescued by the male. It was the first one to really hit broad mainstream appeal, mm-hmm. but it was not the first one, period. It was beaten oh, no. by a, a matter of a few months by Universal's Ladybug. Ooh, that's true too. Ladybug is also another one that has some very, very interesting uh, cabinet art. To be sure. To be sure. Yeah. So it's it's really kind of cool. 
It's a, it is a really, this one is definitely, I feel, I feel should be a shoe in because it, 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 it brought it, 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 one, it brought a lot of spinoffs from it. Well, separate from what spinoffs Pac-Man itself originated. Yeah, I mean, the only reason why you don't see as many new of those is because of that um, deal between Global Computer Corp and Namco. Right. Which is sad, and I feel... Because there's so much they could do with Mrs. Mrs. Pa- Miss Pac-Man. Because technically, it's not Mrs. Pac-Man, it's Miss Pac-Man. Right. She is not married yet. She is Depending a on, woman. at least at that point of the story. Yeah. I don't even know if they ever came out with an actual coherent story for them, but no. But it's Miss Pac-Man is probably my sentimental favorite for for this year's class. I meant mine it, too. And and in terms of longevity, all you have to do is look at the fact that arcades in our area and many more areas, you know, as machines came and went, Miss Pac-Man stuck around right alongside another Namco game that I'm surprised. I don't even think it's been nominated once. What, Missile Command? No, Galaga. Galaga has not, and I don't, and I'm, it's not for a lack of trying on many of our behalfs. It's just, Galaga, it, it's, there. there's, there's a little bit of controversy with Galaga from what I understand from someone who I used to know who used to work there. Galaga was, Galaga was an interesting one. It got nominated by the general public, just no one ever took it to the next level. Which, to me, I'm like, that's bullshit, because you have Farmville on there. How can you not have Galaga? <laughs> like, I know that there's just been a little bit of... Eh. To me, the one that took forever to show up on here is Minesweeper. Minesweeper should have been on this list every year, in my opinion. Actually, yes. Yes. You wouldn't think it at first. Since it's just this dopey little itty bitty game you, that comes free with your windows, and you just kind of play it when you got nothing better to do. Yeah, but, but it's, a, it's a logic game. You have right, to use but, logic. But there's an important historical footnote to why Minesweeper was always included, and and in fact replaced the game Dots in Windows. It was intended as a teaching tool for what was at the time a new computer function, the right mouse button. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just like how Solitaire was intended to teach the basics of using a mouse in the first place, you needed to use the right click to do much of anything in Minesweeper, so to play the game, you had to learn the new function. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what's kind of cool with with Minesweeper is, is it has evolved over the years, too. There's what we're used to from Windows 98, you know, I call it like the the Windows 3.1s and Windows 98 style. And there was actually even a version of it you could play in Messenger against like one of your friends. Oh, neat. Yeah, there was a version of it where you can play against an opponent with the objective to find the mines rather than the surrounding squares. So you both would compete to see who could find the most mines. Over a while, they actually started to change it a little bit where they have flower garden. So you had flowers that would replace the mines. There was a silver screen, a blue screen one that you could do. My ver- my favorite version of the game is called Microsoft Treasure Hunter or Treasure Sweep, depending on where you are, where it's you are an adventurer and you're trying to avoid the traps to get to the to get to the treasure. That's the one I enjoy. This is my sentimental favorite because I killed so much time with this game. And I did not realize until just now looking at the Wikipedia article, there was a cheat code. Really? There was a cheat code that let you look below the tiles. Go figure. Yeah, this was what we used to play in school when we got done doing research for any research paper that we did. We'd play Minesweeper. How many hours of office productivity were lost to this game? This game and Solitaire. Those were the two. So much. (laughs) So much. And it came popped up in a small window that you could just minimize. You can pause and minimize. (laughs) Don't tell my boss that now he's going to check me out and be like, are you actually yelling at insurance companies or are you playing Minesweeper? 
Now, may I have the soapbox, please? You may have the soapbox. Okay. Rogue might be the sleeper hit of this year's class. Originally developed around 1980 by Michael Toy and Glenn Witchman, Rogue Exploring the Dungeons of Doom, not to be confused with Rogue, the X-Men character I have a massive nerd crush on, is indeed an early dungeon crawler with turn-based mechanics. What separates the game from others like it at the time are a few concepts. First, Mm -hmm. procedurally generated content meaning no two playthroughs will ever be exactly alike, including what potion items grant which buffs or debuffs to your character. A potion that turns out to be a healing item in one game could be a strength booster in the next, and a confusion potion meant to be thrown and not drunk the, ne- the third time around. Permadeath is also a key design component in this game. Once you've died... That's it for that run. No continues, no resurrections, no nothing. Now, there are so many games inspired by Rogue that it's named a subgenre of adventure games, the roguelike, which includes titles ranging from other early computer hits like Moria and Hack to the Sega Genesis hit ToeJam and Earl, numerous independent games, the Dungeons & Dragons tie-in Dungeon Hack, which I played so much as a teenager, Mm-hmm. And the wildly popular modern title, Hades. Oh, I love Hades. It's, you know, Rogue is not a flashy game like DDR Assassin's Creed. I mean, look at those little itty bitty graphics where you're literally represented by the act symbol, which was done on purpose to represent where you're at. <laughs> and it's not a lo- necessarily a longstanding cultural marker like Ms. Pac-Man or Civilization. But the sheer reach of its influence, I feel has earned it a spot in the hall. Oh, I definitely believe that. Yeah, that definitely this game definitely should be in there. Just for the fact that it has spawned so many other games and has its own celebration called the Roguelike Celebration in San Francisco. Nice. Yeah. So that's awesome. And you know what it also reminds me a little bit too of Darkest Dungeon. Okay. Where you have permadeath and stuff changes all the time. Every time you go in with new champions. Yep. Darkest yeah, Dungeon just, is another roguelike. Yes. It's very long. That's the one it's I was thinking. It's a popular one of. too. Yeah. That, that game is against you no matter what you do. You know, it's, um, they also, interestingly enough, they did, they were worried about running into copyright issues with Dungeons and Dragons at the time. Okay. Like, they had to change some of the names of the monsters, like Cobalts. I love Cobalts. They're cute. They're evil, but they're cute. Do they have to change it to Coatalics? I think so. I think that's what they had to change it to. Okay. Okay. That took me a moment. I didn't get it until you started playing the crickets, and I'm like, I got it now. Yeah. The puns are strong with this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I basically went into the description because of all the names on this one, Rogue is probably the one least familiar to your average console warrior. Mm-hmm. Although looking at the, the graphics for the Atari ST version of Rogue, uh-huh. that actually, the graphics on that look really, really good. Like, I kind of oh, want to nice. play that. I kind of want to play that version of it. It looks really cute. Okay. But yeah, this is also a game that was text Kind of part text pace, part graphic. I mean, obviously, if you look at it's very simple. But it is a text-based game, kind of very similar to Boulder's Gate and um, King's Quest. Which actually did make it, in, uh, has been nominated. I don't know if it made it in. Did King's Quest make it in? Yes. It did. 2020. 2020. So, we're going to do a real quick over on this one. Uh, actually, the next two, um, which is Legend of Zelda and Assassin's Creed, because they're going to get their own episodes. Um, right. If you don't know what Legend of Zelda or Ocarina of Time is, what rock have you been sleeping under? They have released this thing so many damn times. They had it on the Wii. They had it on the DS. They have it on the Switch. Like, if you have not seen this game by now, who are you? Assassin's Creed is one of my favorite games. It the movie sucks. I'm sorry, Michael. Oh, Fassbender. that's most new video game movies for you. 
I had such high hopes with this one. Oh my god. And Michael Fassbender was in it and he ah, uh, I feel so bad for him cuz he looked like he had a great time playing the character. It is definitely a uh, Metroidvania game. It's an open world game. Except and, in 3D. Except in 3D, you are right. You do you kind of play this character. I have to say out of all of them, this one here to me, it has the best storyline to it where it switches between modern day and the past with the animus. And this definitely, definitely needs its own episode because it's such a vast game. Just real quick, uh, before we move on from it, I'm going to put it this way for Assassin's Creed Influence. Without it, we probably would not have had the Batman Arkham Asylum series. No. Or have it not be as good as it, as, as it, as it currently is. Right. And the music in this game is awesome, too. Now, going up our list a little bit more, let's talk about our lone sports title this year, NBA Jam. Yes, NBA Jam. I have a feeling this is going to make it in because this this game here from 1993 was probably one of the best basketball games that came out. And it was one of the third basketball games released by Midway. First one being TV Basketball in 1974 and then Arch Rivals in 1989. This is one of those games that even if you did not like basketball, you would have fun playing this game. Everybody who fits into that category, raise your hand. You cannot see it, but I am raising my hand right now. So am I. Like, the biggest thing about basketball, this is how basketball is talked about in my household. Damn it, it's stopping me from watching the new episodes of NCIS. (laughs) Direct quote from my mother. So that is how basketball is talked about in in my house. In relation, in to give you an also a direct uh, comparison, hockey in my household. The Sabres are playing. Get down here. We are not doing anything else. Mm. That's a direct quote from me. But this game broke through so many things for games. There was the likeness of the players. There was an exaggerated nature of the play. There was the authentic TV presentation. Yes, there was the fun, you know, the fact that at some point in t- there, like, the players could jump so high and slam dunk that physicists playing this game would be like, excuse me, I'm calling shenanigans. Like, this game had cartoon logic all over it. And the fun hidden Easter eggs, like being able to enter a code in and play as the mascots. Yes, or the super cl- uh, clean floors where the characters would constantly fall down if they ran too fast or changed direction too quickly. Like someone had just freshly waxed the floor. It was just one of those. There's a tank game that allows you to drive a tank onto the court and shoot the enemy tanks for at least a minute. Nice. It is, it is a game that it was serious but didn't take itself seriously. There was a thing where if you made three baskets in a row, that character came on fire and had unlimited turbo and increased shooting precision. And that mode would continue until your other team scores. Or And who you- and who can't forget hearing he's on fire when when that happened? Yes. The announcement chatter in that game is such a huge part of its appeal mm-hmm. to the point where when uh, Midway went to make a WWF game, they figured it would be funny to have Vince McMahon reference NBA Jam by saying, boom, shakalaka. Yeah, I mean, this game influenced so many other games, and they would update it with the roster every year. Like, you looked forward to... For a few years, at least. For a few years. Like, I remember in middle school and high school, it was it was like you looked forward to NBA Jam whatever number or year they put next to it because you couldn't wait to see the new players in it and have them do this do this stuff you know you could play as a former president u.s president bill clinton if you wanted to there was so much to it this game here i i definitely brought sports games into the forefront because it made it fun and it made it that anyone could play this game and have a laugh. 
And I think that's awesome. Now, before we talk about the nominee that I, that I, at least I think is most likely to make it in, we got one other to speak about real quick, Resident Evil. Uh, Resident basically, Evil. go listen to our episode on that one. We kind of talked ourselves out about it. Yeah, that was the month of October because I'm very much into Halloween where I tortured poor James <laughs> with scary games. I love you, James. I love you, too. So, but Resident Evil, I think will. I, Resident Evil is a game that does have a lot of influence. Um, it's been around for a while. They just they just started remaking the whole series of the game. And what I also like about Resident Evil is the story continues through all of the games. They're always adding new to the lore, which is cool. Um, so I think Resident. I I don't think Resident Evil will. I. It, it could, but it couldn't. I think there's a lot of other stronger contenders for it, but it's still very much a popular game series to me, especially with some of the newer additions to it, like Biohazard and The Village. So I think it could, but it's one of those that if it doesn't make it, it's like by a very small margin that it doesn't make it. Yeah, if it's not this year, it'll be next year or 2024 for sure. Oh, easily. But I gotta believe this year is the year of civilization. I I really do believe civilization will make it this year. I really do. Sid Myers is probably one of the least sung heroes of simulation and resource games. I've I've didn't play Civilization. Dino does calling you out Dino because this is this is this is Dino's genre of video games is the is the resource management world building the 4x genre explore expand exploit and I forget the the fourth x hang on hang on I I think I might be able to pull it up no that was not the one I wanted I want 4x aha uh explore expand exploit and exterminate exterminate (laughs) There you go. That's for John. So this is a game that I don't even know. Like, how many uh, how many Civilization games are there now? Like, I think they're like in what twelve. Let me see if I can find the list. Civilizations as a series. Official, official, like Civilization games. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six. And spinoff games, I'm not counting. Nope. I'm looking at it too, and I'm like, hmm. Between the main games and the takeoff games, yeah, there's about 12-ish. So, yeah, this... There's two, three, four, Revolution, five, six, Colonization, Master of Orion, Alpha Centauri, Civilization Beyond Earth, for those of you who want to see what it'd be like to actually build cities in space. Call to Power. What the? Dude, someone needs to stop Sid Myers. He's on a roll. My favorite of his is Pirates, though. Oh, yeah. Pirates is good. Railroad Tycoon is good. I I remember my dad playing a lot of... Uh... His military simulation game. Mm-hmm. Oh, Silent Service. That's that's another well-regarded yep. game. He did come out with one that's called. He did come out with a version of Civilization known as Civnet, which to me is too close to Skynet to be safe. Um, Oof! Yeah. And yeah, let's can... be honest. How many of us who have played Civilization has had to resist the urge to play one more? turn i know oh my god yes like you sit there and it's like it's addicting because it's micromanagement all the less than other similar uh similar uh simulation games like SimCity. but with this game it was like you could start wars you could decide to be uh dis- diplomatic you got to choose what century you built in for those of you, the game, and you can even start as far back as 4000 BC, mm-hmm. and it can go all the way to 20, uh, the year of 21,000 on the easiest setting with the space age and future technologies. That's the easiest setting. 
And you get to learn. And what's kind of cool with civilization is you were learning how civilizations actually form. Right. Which was kind of cool. You learn how, you know, uh, alternate terrain, building improvements such as minus irrigation, building roads to connect your your city to other cities, um, railroads, you know, stuff like that, developing technology, trade, fiefdoms, you know, going from fiefdoms to actually like agricultural centers. You can also choose advances such as pottery, the wheel, the alphabet to nuclear fission and space flight. Or if you just got tired of your game, you could destroy it. Don't try this at home, folks. Yeah. Uh, The game can be won by either conquering all the other civilizations in the game or by winning the space race by reaching the star system of Alpha Centauri. And later games would introduce the cultural win by being so uh, culturally pervasive by building up wonders and the like that you're basically the preeminent force of civilization amongst your peers. You become a god. <laughs> so yeah, basically that's if civilization doesn't make it in this year, I'll be stunned. If civilization doesn't make it in this year, I would I would be like, dear members of the committee, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Love me. So before we go completely offensive to our committee members, we're gonna invite you uh, to speak up and say what games you think are most likely to pop up in the hall this year on our Facebook page. And we will tell you more about where you can get in touch with us right after this break. Unless you had anything else to add. I was going to say also put in there what games you would like to see nominated for 2023. Absolutely. Now we'll take the break. <laughs> now we'll take a break. Miss Want to support the Irregulars? Head over to www.patreon.com backslash FC3ROC. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a nonprofit group. Everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar, You will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at k-r-i-s-s-i at fc3roc.org. And me at J-A-M-E-S at FC3ROC dot org. At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool. And begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking. That's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind, so if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. So for this day in gaming history, Chrissy, I'm going to give you a choice. Ooh. Do okay. you want the quality choice or the banter choice? Oh, God, the banter choice. Okay. In 1986 in Japan was the NES release of Tag Team Wrestling, which was apparently decent in arcades when it came out from Technos, but on the NES, it's rubbish. <laughs> Oh, no. 
it's no. it's a menu based wrestling game. What? Yes. Who? What? What? Gluten free, sugar, low sugar idiot decided that was the best way to do a wrestling game. I don't know. But still, somehow, some way, this game has had a lasting influence on our pop culture. Not enough to get into the video game Hall of Fame, but enough to count as a trivia question at your local pub. The enemy team inspired a leading character in the popular internet animation series Homestar Runner, because said enemy team was named the Strong Bads. All right, I'm done. <laughs> It's, I'm done. Yeah. I'm over it now. Oh, my Lord. I, I hate to ask what the quality choice was. Uh, for more information, I sincerely recommend you check out the NES Works episode on this very game. It's, it's something else. But otherwise, mm -hmm. if you find it in a pile of NES ROMs that you downloaded... I'm going to advise you to take a little advice from Strong Bad himself and just say, DELETED! Yeah, very much so. <laughs> My god. Alrighty. On that note... <laughs> On that note, we're going to wrap this episode up. On behalf of Chrissy Harding, I'm James Irish. Thanks so much for tuning in to Gaming Street Irregulars. We appreciate each and every one of you who tunes in. And if this is your first time here, hey! Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever reviews are applicable. Until then, game on. Bye, everyone. Bye.